voice comes in, you know it is time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to ELC. Woo! Especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks, using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, or maybe you're shopping. Maybe you're pushing that cart with its wobbly wheel down the middle of the aisle, and you got us in your ear holes. Well, if that's the case, we're going to be with you for 90-plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free. Thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash DLCpod. They are the true heroes, the ones making sure this show continues and in exchange, they get some cool perks, including ad-free versions of the show, video versions of the show on demand, and, oh my goodness, all the extra stuff, all the bonus content. We got Let's Plays, Christian and I playing Helldivers 2 last week, just popping up in the feed. Why? Because eh, we wanted to. Plus, you got Feeling This. Two seasons of feeling this with Alex Solomon and Christian Spicer talking about the feelings behind video games. Deep dives on to uh, the history of video games on that show. So good. Also, the Wednesday paid DLC program getting back to its groove, talking about uh, talking back and forth with the patrons about all kinds of goofy stuff this week. What fun, what fun, but it's uh, it's there just for the patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. You can be one and ensure that this show continues by heading over there. But this show, the main show, DLC, it's the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice luck and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host, slash nemesis the guy who told all the other kids what the curse words were mr christian spicer hello christian hey kids are you listening with your parents right now <laughs> listen to this no 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 don't listen go to store.dlc uh <laughs> where you can get yeah, go nastiest, to filthiest <laughs> coolest merchandise go to store.dlcpod.com to get sweet mugs like this one you don't know tell what, your parents you it's know so what naughty. dlc stands for <laughs> let your mind run amok downloadable oh. content oh wait yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey we got a great show for you ladies and gentlemen we got so much to get to so much fun stuff there was a nintendo direct uh, we got uh, we got all kinds of interesting news. We'll see what pops up in everybody's stories of the week. We also have a preview of one of the biggest games of the year. And we have an awesome guest. In fact, we have the only guest that comes to the show equipped with their own theme song. Hit it! Who's that coming on the podcast today? Sincere, that's why we want to hear his games with me. 
GameRant.com. It is Anthony Taormina. Hi, Anthony. How are you? Hi, Jeff and Christian. Hello. I am. Y'all know why I'm here. I'm here with a very specific purpose. You got seven and purposes and a rebirth ain't one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I like Wait, it. we're going to talk about <laughs> remake again? I thought we were going to talk about rebirth. Oh, yeah. I messed that up. I messed that up. I'm remaking one. <laughs> anyway. We got, look, this is okay. the final time we're going to gonna talk about seven, right? No, there's one more seven. <laughs> there's another seven. And one of you is at least, uh, both of you, I hope, play it. Yeah. When you guys I mean, play it. We both played the remake, right? You played it, right, Christian? I did much later, though. I waited for it to become, like, free on PlayStation Plus or whatever that free was. Make. Free make. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> free anyway, make. we're... we're, we're we're jumping ahead, but that is why Anthony's here, and I'm very excited to get to it. But first, we must start the show the way we always do, with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us anything. What? Oh, yeah. We we read your mail. We love hearing from you. Comments, questions, praise. You know, if you're so inclined, we love it. DLCfeedback at gmail.com. But we also have a cool Discord you can hang, hang out in and post stuff there. Hey, praise is welcome there, too. Wherever you want to give us praise, we'll read it. Uh, we'll read all the stuff. But the Discord's fun. We've got great folks hanging out, talking games, and so much more. 5 by 5 DLC on Discord. Check it or wreck it. Anthony Taormina, you are our guest. You get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Okay, well, normally I like to play the, you know, I know what the story of the week is, and I'm going to pick that story to kick it off. But I don't want to do that. I want to talk about the Elden Ring trailer. I thought you might. I thought you might. <laughs> uh, as someone who lerves, you're in lerve with uh, Elden Ring. It's, it's one of my favorite games uh, of all time. Yeah, it is. I, you know, you're not alone in that estimation. Uh, I don't. I don't. I mean, I know Christian loves it too. I'm. I. I don't know what's yeah. wrong with me. I had something wrong with me. I'm broken. <clears throat> but uh, uh, I mean, I will tell you, you know. this. I will tell you this, Anthony Tarmina. Mm-hmm. That Shadow of the Erd Tree trailer. Yes, that's a heck of a trailer. They uh, they know how to make them. I mean, they're the FromSoft games are so diverse in terms of enemies and bosses and weird locations that you could just you have these montage of weird things and everyone goes, "Ooh, what's that? Ooh, what's that? Ooh, what's that?" Um, and that was basically this trailer. But uh, it, it also there it was followed by a interview or a couple interviews with Miyazaki where he sort of talked about their plans for it and. Uh, sort of what the hint hinting at some of the story elements, the, when the first picture came out, most people kind of assumed that it was going to cover this character, Mikola, who is one of the children of this, the main bad, bad person who's exists in, in both fa- female and male form. Um, She's Mikola extra. <laughs> She's Mikola light. but so yeah in the main game anybody that's played the main game there's a bunch of lore involving mikola melania one of the kind of really difficult bosses is tied to mikola you see mikola's hand coming out of this weird cocoon which come to find out is how we enter the dlc Um, but yeah i mean it's i'm just excited to play more elden ring i wish 
we would have got this sooner, but I think the longer the wait, it means it's equal to um, the Limgrave section of the the main game, they said. So I think the extra wait time allowed them to make sure that like this kind of expansive thing that was Elden Ring is con- continued on in the DLC. The longer the wait, the greater the great, as they say. I hope so, yeah. Um, June 21st is the official release date for Shadow of the Erd Tree. A really beautiful looking Erd Tree in that trailer. A lot of beautiful stuff. A lot of really, I mean, obviously disturbing stuff too, but there's like a cool big like cage fire demon dude that you're going to fight. And there's really disturbing icky ones. And there's a... (laughs) There's a, like a dude that like pulls his own neck up. He's like, yeah, yep. There's like a weird worm thing that sucks your head. It's yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I saw mean- that. Saw that. Uh, real pretty, real pretty looking, real pretty looking trailer. Christian, what did you make of Elden Ring: Shadow of the Erd Tree? A great trailer. It looks huge. I mean, that first game, the first game. I'm talking about this DLC like it's a sequel. The base game was not a small game. And this is what forty dollar uh, expansion DLC, I believe. I think they said it was forty bucks, um, but that seems appropriately priced for how big this looks. Again, who knows? It's just a trailer and some interviews. Maybe all these different environments are all right next door to each other, <laughs> and we got fooled. But my gut is it is not that. My favorite part of the discourse about it after the trailer came out was folks going. Uh, how much of the game do we have to play to get to this? <laughs> how many bosses do I need to kill before I can get to this? And kind of trying yeah. to unpack what it would take to like, because they're they're doing a separate collector's edition for this. So some people thought, yeah, that meant it's standalone. It. You bought it, <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. I have the Millennia statue, so I needed it. It's Mesmer, the big fire yeah. guy with like the big pole and the snake around him. But yes, like you said, you, you do have to you have to beat. Moog is as far as what I understand. And then that you see Mikola's hand come out of the cocoon. So yes, you will have to play the game. Like you can't just say, Ooh, this DLC looks intriguing. I would like to play just this DLC. You cannot, you haven't been able to do that in DLCs for souls games. I think for a while, Um, but yes, it all, it also Liberty situation. Right. Yeah. And, I, I and, wonder if they'll announce yeah. that late, later because Phantom Liberty also technically requires you to get to a point. But like you mentioned, Anthony, uh, From hasn't done this yet in the Souls games, but CD Projekt Red allowed you just to spec a character that would start there. And I wonder if Elden yeah. Ring is big enough of a game that at some point they'll think about that and go, everybody bought, they, they know how far we all got, you know, <laughs> like they have the data. Yeah. Um, I feel like Miyazaki, anytime you tell him anything like, hey, people want your game to be easier. People want this. He goes, I don't want to do that. So I think somebody will ask him and say, like, is there a way for people? He's like, no, you need to beat Moog. You need to get good. (laughs) Get to Moog. Beat him. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, ride this ride. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a a weird thing for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting. I, I, I. I don't really have strong feelings either way. I feel like a, an expansion can a DLC expansion can it, it's it's supposed to give people who played the first the, the original thing more to do. I don't think it's supposed to give people an alternative to the original thing. Although, you know, Phantom Liberty did that and it did real well for itself. So CD Projekt Red's done that twice yeah. now because The Witcher right. also I like there was a point in time where folks who had missed out on Witcher 3 and yeah. were coming to the franchise new. I would tell them to start with uh Blood what was and wine. It? Blood and wine. Yeah. Because it was, 
I felt a little easier to get into because you start in this high fantasy setting for folks who and it's real pretty. You start like Tuscany looking place. It's really yeah. awesome. Yeah. And the base game's great, but the base game is like you've crawled out of the muck. Yeah. Right. You're a piece of crap. <laughs> you know, whatever <laughs> right. it is. And so, you know, I don't know, but I agree. I don't think that uh From has ever looked at what other games are doing and thought we should chase that. And I think Elden Ring has given them the blank check to do whatever they want now for sure uh i looking at this trailer i go man i'd love to uh, give me an anime in this world uh, I, I i i'm curious enough about the world that i'd love to see fiction uh involving it i just you know i'm not enjoying the the, the playing of it yeah but there i mean there's tons of lore around all the souls games yeah lots of good youtubers um i don't know how to pronounce it but it's Vati Vidya, V-A-A-T-I-V-I-D-Y-A. He makes a lot of great lore videos. And I just because the game itself is very impenetrable. If you aren't reading item descriptions and, and things like that, you're like, who am I fighting? Who is this? Who is Mikola? We have we met yeah. Mikola? And you only really know about these characters either by offhand comments. Elden Ring had a little bit more cutscenes than yeah. most of the Souls games. But yeah, it's I've always said Mikola dry. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> she don't know, you know. Anyway, right. that's the no DLC for <laughs> Elden Ring. It's called Shadow of the Erd Tree. Ya Erd? I'm in a weird mood. I've had just a little punchy. Sleep. I think like I, no sleep till Brooklyn gives us I had, a. Yeah, uh, I had no sleep. Uh, we'll get to why uh, very late in the show. Um, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? I want to mention, I'm going to pull a Jeff. I want to mention something and then I want to pick my story. Um, mention it. Go mention it. I want it. to mention it. I mentioned it on our Let's Play. You mentioned we did a Let's Play that's available to patrons and it was when it came out. Um, but NVIDIA updated their control panel from forever ago. It's now one yeah. launcher in beta, one launcher, but it's a unified experience. And the reason that I like this is that now within where you would go in and click the auto fix your settings, basically, they also have a link for GeForce Now. I'm a big Smart. fan of the cl- cloud. I like that they put this now in front of more people. Hopefully yeah. it gets more people to try it. And I like that the NVIDIA control panel got updated. I, I took, I'm in the beta, you know, I've downloaded, not like you get to apply. I'm downloaded the beta. I'm liking it so far. That old control panel was old (laughs) and i like seeing like the ui to be able to adjust things and pc gaming like elden ring or some from games to some folks is impenetrable and i like things that steam deck nvidia control panel the nvidia app is what this new thing is called um i like things that help reduce that barrier of entry so it's in beta. Yeah, it sort of I like consolifies it. it a bit. You know, it makes yeah. it makes it one clickable and and like I don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about your settings. You don't have to worry about it. Just you know, it does all that work. I think that's pretty smart. Yeah, and you can do like some tweaking within it. Like, do you want more performance or do you want more? You know, so you can do like some just slidery thing, kind of like resolution mode or frame rate mode again on consoles. But because it is a PC, you still can go in and change everything that you want. It's just. You know, someone's telling you like, we want to recommend that, but you don't have to. I like it. The story you mentioned, uh, we mentioned there was a Nintendo Direct. There was a Nintendo Direct. That's not my story of the week. My story of the Mm. week. You're just listing all the stories. Dude, I'm not going to talk about a PS5 Pro coming out this year. Okay, Jeff. So just stop. Stop me. I put put that in there. 
Okay, good, good. Because I'm not going to talk about that. Um, what I want to talk about is the one sentence blog post celebrating the year of PlayStation VR 2 being out for a year. And then just in this blog that's like, hey, we got other stuff coming out. Here's, here's these games. You can do this other stuff. And also, <clears throat> we're looking to bring PSVR 2 or so, what was it? Select PC experiences to the PSVR. It's like the weirdest. I got to find the actual. Uh, so you basically stole Jeff's story of the week. Press yeah. release. No, this is not Jeff's story of the week. This is my story of the week. Jeff doesn't need Jeff PSVR right. 2 to work. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff doesn't need PSVR 2 to work on PC because Jeff already has every other PC VR headset. Yes, but the the main thrust of this article, my understanding is Jeff was right. <laughs> <laughs> because all I read when I read it was Jeff was right. <laughs> I hope you have one of those that says Christian and Jeff were both right that we play when they finally announce the Switch 2 because we all <laughs> predicted that 10 years ago and we keep waiting for it to happen. <laughs> Dude, last year I said they were going to it was a Cool Ranch <laughs> prediction. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that, that grinds my gears. I say this stuff, and and then I have to eat crow on the Reckoning show where it's like, oh, it didn't happen. Oh, you, yeah. Jeff, you're terrible. Spicer Thomas over here with Thank his you. like vague predictions that, that the vague. sun will rise tomorrow. He's, Accurate he's, predictions. Continues to be right. And I'm like, Thank oh, you. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm terrible at this. And then like, Half a year later, <laughs> Jeff was right. You know, and we don't make enough hay about that because I've already eaten the crow. Yeah, because you already got it wrong. <sighs> it doesn't work. Why, why don't you? It. Why it was don't a crazy you? Crazy thing to predict at the time. Insane thing. It was. It was Cool Ranch, and it was know, wrong at the time. Why don't you like build that into your model and not use it for that year and? <laughs> think okay uh-huh, uh-huh. here's what i think is gonna happen let's do all out and then you're, you're asking me to play 4d chess i i, I have a hard enough time playing hell divers too it's the only <laughs> way to beat christian is to play 4d chess i'm 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 hey friendly firing everybody in hell divers too i can't be bothered to think 12 steps ahead you know what i'm saying it's not a competition when only one person wins um but the quote is the quote is also we're pleased to share that we are currently testing the ability for PSVR2 players to access additional games on PC to offer even more game variety in addition to the PSVR2 titles available through PS5. Lengthy sentence with very little punctuation and this feels like a Christian prediction. It is vague. <laughs> <laughs> it is vague it is vague but we have no idea how they would uh, accomplish that like what what does that mean exactly are we streaming games from your pc are you is, are you plugging your psvr2 into your pc we don't know at all how they're accomplishing this or Access what they're promising additional games yeah. on pc so technically i guess if one pc game works on it <laughs> they did it i don't <laughs> yeah. know I don't know, I, I, but I'm excited because uh, that was such an outside the box prediction for me, and I think it, it will be, give. Uh, really, it's it's all about me here, but it, it is. Um, it does give a a shot in the arm to PSVR two, which is unfortunately kind of sitting there uh, unsupported for the most part. Now, you mentioned Christian that 
also the the thrust of the main thrust of this blog post was we got games coming and there's actually some cool games that i mean they showed uh wizards dark times brotherhood which is already out was it was a was a stealth launch with that blog post uh they showed a wanderer the fragments of fate which is a remake of wanderer which came out like three years ago two years ago um it looks really cool time traveling first person action puzzler uh looks really cool that they're updating that and they also embedded in that announcement a sequel to wanderer is also in development for vr uh, little cities bigger, which is like added content to little cities, added content to uh, Arizona Sunshine Two, and then Zombie Army VR. So you know, oh, and then also Soul Covenant, which looks like a really cool game. This like JRPG in in VR. So uh, you know, I guess VR stuff doesn't rate its own <laughs> PlayStation uh, state of play, but it does get a blog post. That's cool. But they say the PC stuff's going to – they they hope to make support available in 2024. That's this year. Yeah. So One year after my prediction. <laughs> I'm super excited about it. And, and, you know, we've talked about it a lot on this show about how headsets, unfortunately, are generally not treated as monitors. And right. I understand there's more tech in it. Like the PSVR 2 has eye tracking. So if I hook that up to PC, but most PC games don't support that, what does that, how does it change the interface? How do you map controls one way or the other? But I think we're if starting only to... Valve had built a front, front end for all <laughs> VR into Steam. If only that was yeah. accessible. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but I, I think we're starting to see that a little bit now with Meta and Steam maybe you know playing a little nice with the wireless linking. I am super curious, Jeff. You mentioned there's speculation that this is perhaps streaming from pc to ps5 so that your headset is still plugged into your ps5 but it's getting like steam link some equivalent of steam link vr support but if that box gets open anthony i'm curious is that a pandora's box of like why can't i just stream all my pc games to ps5 like where does that decouple you know right there in the headset i think yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's a good question i mean I think that this is a good thing that they're adding, but yeah, the, the decoupling and, and all that it's, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Um, you know, when it first came out, if they had launched with this, I would have been more excited than having now a quest three and having them add the steam link stuff. It, they, I don't know. I the, when the PSVR two came out, I played horizon. That was like the launch game and the must play in my mind. And they really haven't followed it up. With something where I say, hey, I need to break out the PSVR 2 to play this. Um, whereas Quest 3, I got, you know, I got the Quest 3 when it first came out and then broke it out again to play Asgard's Wrath. Um, and hopefully something, you know, is is on the way. So, yeah, it's it's weird. I do prefer the PSVR to the setup. Um, I like the way that it slides back especially if I'm wearing my glasses. Um, I do have lenses now for the Quest 3, so now I'm like all in on the Quest 3. Mm. But I I found I find the PSVR 2 more comfortable than the Quest 3. Just really? for somebody that wears wow. glasses, yeah. I like being able to slide it to the like the point where I'm comfortable instead of kind of popping it over my glasses. If that makes sense. Yeah, I get that. I have I bought the inlet lens inserts for PSVR two, uh, but I keep my glasses on with uh, Quest three because I find it so comfortable and easy and 
not a big yeah deal it's not like all. super uncomfortable it's just I, don't, I like being able to kind of go okay this is as far as i want it versus the quest you can't really control how it how it touches your face you can control the spacing of the lenses inside but not really the element right yeah no i, I think that's fair i mean it's such a personal thing the way it fits <laughs> did you play synapse I did, yeah. I enjoyed it. I thought the game was um, really good. I think that's like the But that to me it was not like a system seller though, in my mind. Agreed. It's not a system seller, but I think it's a, a really excellent PSVR two exclusive uh yeah. that came after launch, you know. And, and those are few, but it, there that is one. I would have um, added RE four and then I would sure. have added humanity, but humanity's coming to quest. I think that's yeah. that has to be a must buy for folks who haven't played it yet. That game oh, in totally. VR is so good. And so I think a good. lot more people are going to get to experience it now, which is awesome. The way to play it. But I think this could be a massive, as I was kind of saying, a shot in the arm for PSVR 2. If you, if, you know, let all those people who've been hearing about Half-Life Alex and some of these other PC VR experiences, if you can play them on your PSVR 2, I think that's a great, th- this, this to me is the silver lining of VR hasn't really taken off like I expected it to. The silver lining is, well, these companies are much more willing to work with each other. You know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? They're, they're willing to make some compromises and go like, okay, we can't walled garden it completely because there's not enough pure concentrated profit there. So let's uh, let's be a little more magnanimous about it and open things up for, for the consumer. And I'm like, well, that's, Hey, would I love there to be uh, you know, great, awesome AAA releases every week for VR? Yes. Is this a cool comp or a cool uh, silver lining, a cool consolation prize is all the stuff's going to play well, nice together. I think that's pretty cool. It's like uh Netflix getting some of the DCEU movies, you know, like, Hey, <laughs> you know, no yeah. one's subscribing to Max for these anymore, so we'll we'll let Netflix have a you, couple. Of how dare you compare <laughs> VR content to the Snyderverse? Oh no, the emails, the emails are coming again. That is DLC feedback at yahoo.com is where you send those specific emails. But I I do think the question is then becomes well, if they figure out a way for it to play nice, why buy a PSVR two? Similar to like if you want to wait you will presumably be able to play every PlayStation 5 exclusive on PC. Why buy a PSVR 2 if, in theory, those games would eventually be compatible with Quest? Like, they need a shot in the arm sales-wise, so they're putting Horizon on Steam so that it works with VR. Right. You know, what, well, is that what I I, th- I think it's only going. No, no, no. Direction. I'm not saying that's what they're doing, but I'm right. saying what what's to stop that considering, like, the game now the I games... See. Well, like what, I, what, what it seems like they're uh, announcing is is all the emails that I got this week about my my stance about the <laughs> Xbox thing, which is like, you know, now now the competition has everything. Why didn't I just yeah. buy the competition? Which I understand, but uh, so in that sense, it would be like PSVR two is the place that has all the PC games and all the PSVR exclusive games. I just I don't understand why they haven't gotten off their heinies and opened up backwards compatibility from PSVR one games because there's a whole bunch of really it must be harder or more expensive than it 
absolutely must be. I, I suspect it is. And I suspect I'm trivializing it by even broaching the subject. But it also feels like there are a bunch of gems that languished on PSVR 1 and could really shine on PSVR 2. And it's, it, it, it bums me out that that's not happening or doesn't seem I do. My, my last point on this and kind of the way we talk about structure and as much as we talk about the substance, I mean, they buried this part of the announcement in the middle of blocks of paragraphs of a press yeah. release about other stuff. And this is what all the stories are about. You know, it's like, yeah. I'm a game. I had a trailer. It was about me. No one cares about my game. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, we tried. We tried to bear. We just mentioned it in passing. And it's like, no one cares about updated content to my game. But it's, you know, I mean, wild. This is a story, right? That's that is an interesting poll. Like the poor uh, Wizards game, we're like, we're a stealth drop. We're going to be the biggest news. People can go download it right now. Wait, wait, what you're talking about? What you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oopsie. I feel bad about that. All right. Well, <clears throat> I guess I don't need a story of the week. Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I still have one. Uh, but first, we're going to take a quick break for a sponsor. This episode of the DLC podcast is brought to you by Factor. Christian Spicer, I don't have time to make myself food in the date. I, I don't have time. Factor, factor, factor. I don't have time. Factor, Who has time? Factor, factor. I want to eat. Here's what I here's what I need, Christian. I need restaurant quality meal. That's what I that's what I desire. I want it to be delicious, but I want to spend less than two minutes. Working on anything to get it into my mouth. I want it to be available wherever I am, whenever I want it, to be super delicious, but I don't have time to to think about it or do anything. That is sounds this a, like a problem that could be solved? No, it cannot. It is impossible. You are off the deep end, my friend. There's no way. I well, cannot let me tell think. You. Mm-hmm. Enter factor. Factor. Factors delicious ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Why? Well, you'll have 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, more than those. And they've got 55, over 55, nutrition-packed add-ons that help you make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. These are two-minute meals ready to heat and eat wherever you are. Uh, shout out to the Poblano potato white bean stew. Their veggie stuff is great. I know people are thinking like, oh, two minutes, you're heating. Like veggie stuff is like, ugh, when you just kind of like microwave it. Like veggie stuff, to, dude, it's great. Again, I want to specifically shout out Poblano potato white bean stew. You just like saying that. I mean, Poblano it's fun. potato white bean stew. You think it's fun to say, you should try eating it. You know what I mean? Well, my goodness. In in both ways, it rolls off your tongue or on your tongue it rolls <laughs> anyway i have been enjoying factor for a while now my wife introduced factor to me she was like uh honey you gotta try these these are delicious and i was like there's no way that this could be what it really is they're good they're, they're good they're tasty yeah these are tasty meals and legit two minutes so, sometimes it's like two minutes and 30 seconds maybe because i'm like yeah. i want this a little hotter but it's like 
some of the best lunches I've ever had ready right when I need them. Like I haven't had lunch. Oh, there's lunch. <laughs> Super flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need. You can choose six to 18 meals per week. Super convenient. You can always pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. And factory meals are a hundred percent ready to heat and eat. There's no prepping, no cooking, no cleanup. It just makes that midweek got to eat, but don't want to eat garbage. It solves that problem. Head over to factormeals.com slash DLC50 and use code DLC50 to get 50% off. That's code DLC50 at factormeals.com slash DLC50 to get 50% off. All right, my story of the week. I'm going to I'm going to go with this Nintendo Direct. Cuz uh I love a Nintendo Direct. You know, Nintendo was the first direct company. They were uh direct before directing was cool, you know what I'm saying? Everybody's direct now. But Nintendo they were the first to direct. And now uh this week they got uh, they got directs coming out the wazoo. Uh this week was um partner showcase mostly uh games that are not first party Nintendo joints but uh games that a whole bevy of games bunch of bunch of bunch of stuff some stuff we knew about a lot of stuff we did not all of it coming to switch uh i suspect uh all of it this year i don't think there was anything that was too far out uh, it was all kind of relatively coming soon type of stuff <clears throat> uh i'm curious what you guys thought i mean there's a lot of stuff in here to pull out um one of the things that got confirmed is something that we had been talking about quite a lot uh, over the last several weeks with all of the hullabaloo about Microsoft first parties going to other platforms. Here is confirmation as predicted Pentiment and grounded uh, are going on to switch uh, announced here officially onto switch previously Xbox exclusives on console. Um, there is a, they're bringing back star Wars battlefront. Which, when I looked at that trailer, I was like, I remember that game looking nicer. But I think that's just my <laughs> yeah. my brain. That's you Battlefront know, like- 2. Battlefront 2 looks incredible still. I, I But Battlefront okay. 1 is old. <laughs> I'm like, I remember it being more impressive looking when it came out. Uh, but you know, that's that, that's that weird thing where you, you know, you see the, the halo remake and you're like, that's how it get that game. Oh wait, it didn't. No, <laughs> yeah. those are the screenshots. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, lots of really cool stuff. I will say the game that I did not know about going in that I'm most excited about from this Nintendo Direct. And again, we can talk about a bunch of stuff in here. I'm, I'm curious what you guys want to pull out. Uh, you guys heard me already go gaga about Pepper Grinder a couple of weeks ago from the uh, Steam Next Fest. Very excited to see that in here. But I will say the game that I did not know about that I, I, I think looks like it's going to be a right up my alley is a game called arranger arranger a role puzzling adventure this is a game um very it looks like what if a link to the past and one of those old slidey puzzles that your grandma would give you in the back of the car had a baby uh very very novel idea i think it looks very clever to me uh you know kind of a traditional Zelda, you know, old school Zelda esque top down 
uh, adventure on a grid, move over space to space. Except when you move space to space on this uh, orthogonal grid, everything in that line or column, in that row or column, shifts. So you're not just moving your character. You're literally moving the entire landscape left, right, or up, or down. Uh, and I think it makes for what looks to be some really clever puzzles and uh, you know brain bending type stuff of of how how you manipulate the world around your character. I, I I dig stuff like this of like oh my gosh what a what a cool idea I've never seen anyone do anything like that before. So that popped out to me, and I like how they call it a role puzzle instead of a role, role puzzling adventure instead of a role playing adventure. Um, any any uh, big notable stuff from the nintendo direct for you anthony um so uh ender lily's quietest of the nights was a game that i really really loved it was like my dark horse i think the year it came out i didn't think enough people played it didn't think a sequel was gonna happen but there is one coming it's called ender magnolia uh bloom it's a very funny uh title pattern that they're establishing yeah lily's ender magnolia i don't know. know if it's the best to like let people know like I mean, I, you know, obviously I'm Ender super chrysanthemum, deep. <laughs> Anthony. Ender chrysanthemum. I'm, uh, yeah, well, play this one and maybe you'll get Ender chrysanthemum. I didn't even know. I, you know, I thought, man, this, it's always exciting when like Blasphemous or one of those like kind of side scrolling Souls likes or Metroidvanias or combination therein gets released. And then it's even more exciting when there's a sequel because they can make it better. But this, I did not expect them to make a sequel to this so i was very pleased i really really liked the first game i highly recommend people play it if you like those side scrolling kind of souls likes um but yeah the naming is i get what they're doing but it's not doing them any favors (laughs) yeah yeah and epic mickey well i think it's cool that epic mickey is coming back but i did not think that game was very good I i hope they're improving it dramatically for this remake because i remember reviewing that game on the totally rad show on the wii it's not a great game in my in my recollection you you, you are right you are right but i guess now that i have a child those Mm. things are like i have different framing of games so yeah something where it's like oh recognizable billion dollar brand icon (laughs) in a video game he will play this with me yeah well I mean, it looks nice. I think they're doing a good job of making it updated because on the Wii, it looked r- real rough. <clears throat> Epic Mickey uh, refurbit, refer, Epic Mickey rebrushed, I should say, is what is officially going to be called on Switch. Um, but man, that game was real, real, real shaky. Uh, when I, but you know, who knows? They're who knows what they're updating, and maybe it, maybe it'll be much improved. It certainly looks nicer. Um. We didn't get a date on that, I don't think, but I think it's this year. Yeah, I think you're right. <clears throat> Christian, any exciting stuff? There's there are, you know, like two dozen games here, it seems. There's a lot of stuff they talked about. We the one, and we'll talk about this later because it got stealth launched, but Penny's Big Breakaway released yeah. during this direct. Um Christian Whitehead, former developer uh, behind Sonic Mania and his new studio Evening Star. That came out. We'll talk about that here in mere minutes. Um Super Monkey Ball, Super Monkey Ball Banana Rumble. I love those old OG Monkey Ball games. I love them on Game Boy Advance. They're still fun party games to get people together. If you have a GameCube or GameCube emulator and you can fire them up, 
and this is 16 player online mode uh which i think a lot of monkey balls chaotic i i do wonder if this game is better suited for a um animal party animal style release where it's on game pass or it's free to play or uh, what's the other one not party uh uh, it was like super popular and you kind of waddle around and fall guys oh fall guys also also that but yeah you know fall guy i wonder if super monkey ball if this style of game now lives better in that release environment it's just chaos and we get together and we all giggle and laugh and look how bad we are and all that stuff yeah Yeah, and it's free but they monetize you microtransaction you but i mean they're awesome party games and for some of them i have not played every re-release some of them i feel like did the tony hawk pro skater remaster or hd one of the tony hawk pro skaters where it's like this is the game but the physics are wrong some of the monkey ball re-releases have suffered from that i think but if this can nail the physics those get they're fun they're just fun man like the target drop one we have to open your ball and like go up and down on the breeze to land in the little it's fun anyone can play super pickup party game i I love i feel like they've been making super monkey balls though i feel like there's there it has we haven't had a uh, a we have I've, some of them haven't been great and some have been of remasters re-releases yeah. or like different takes yeah. on it and this seems like a return to form of just chaos <laughs> you yeah. know which i think could be fun i wanted to ask you anthony about another crab's treasure oh yeah yeah yeah. because uh, i'm very think that excited looks, yeah really uh really cute idea in that it's you know you play as a little crustacean and, and you and you the way you get new powers is you get a new shell like you can get a yeah, yeah. you know a, a a soda can as your shell or a you know it's all size appropriate to a little you know a little yeah yeah guy yeah it's um but they I played it, it as a souls like is what yes I'm, yeah well, so i, I played it that. at summer game fest um okay. and i very much really enjoyed it um it is very challenging but they have put some good uh accessibility features one of the accessibility features is they just give the crab a gun and he can shoot any boss. So if you, you know, you you're out there and you're like, this boss is too difficult. You turn on the gun and you shoot <laughs> oh the <God>. boss. Because <laughs> I'll tell you this. I will admit it. I was getting destroyed in the demo. And they're like, you want to see more? And I was like, yeah, they're like, do this. OK, now you have a gun. <laughs> shoot him once. And then he dies. Um, but obviously, like that, that was very early. They've been in developing development on this game for a while so i'm not sure how much polish or balancing that they've done but i'm very much looking forward to it i think the yeah the putting the different kind of pieces of trash on your back and those having a special move and having different like defense uh ratings you're not just taking damage and then that's your health it's you're you're damaging whatever's on your back so yeah more nimble and and have more devastating attacks but you got you know you got like a thimble on your back or you can tank more hits because you have whatever a milk carton on your back yeah Um, these are all just hypothetical examples i don't remember what the specifics were when i played um but yeah i'm i'm looking forward to it uh i think it's coming to game pass Mm. i might be wrong on that don't quote me on that, but we got a release date for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, it, it's t- April twenty fifth. April twenty fifth. It's coming. Um, I, I just like the idea of doing this sort of hardcore Souls like game with like a very cutesy, almost kid friendly wrapper. You know, it's 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 got the yeah. skin of a kind of a goofy kids game, but it's got these hardcore mechanics. 
I like when they said we're making a souls like with pinocchio and everyone oh that's kids stuff and they said jk it's really <laughs> dark dark pinocchio <laughs> yeah this doesn't look dark it's not like it's a it's dark crustacean it's it's still it's it's spongebob you know but like in a souls game uh very very cute anyway that's another crab's treasure and it's coming april 25th lots of other stuff in the uh Nintendo Direct. The only other thing I wanted to mention, I mean, there's there's some interesting things. There's a whole lot of games, uh, but they ended with uh, a, a big reveal that Switch Online is getting some more backwards compatible stuff from my youth, uh, including a game I played so much of, and I maybe never bring up. It's one of those ones that has such a huge footprint on my youth. And I never talk about it. It's not the one you're thinking of, if you guys know the presentation. It's RC Pro-Am! RC Pro-Am. I play, oh, dude, I had a neighbor on my, on my, I lived on a cul-de-sac, and he lived a little farther down the cul-de-sac, and he had RC Pro-Am. I didn't have it. He had it. But I was there every every day after school. And we just played hours and hours of rc pro-am and i don't know why that game was so much more fun to me than any other racing game when you're playing like a a toy car instead of a real car but holy smokes the memories i have i have no idea if it would hold up today i think yeah do not play this game do (laughs) not play this game (laughs) whatever you do you're gonna sit every you're gonna be like look the whole family get together (laughs) and they're gonna be like this when i was your age son i love uh well this is garbage <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it uh, yeah it you can play it in silence by yourself yeah. but don't show anybody else i mean i don't know i, I just think it was uh, of its time it, it it was novel and different and like you know we didn't we were just glad that a game worked you know we were glad that the game came out because it one came out every four or five months. <laughs> RC Pro Am came out. Man, there, we can't we can't wait until another game comes out. <laughs> there is something magic though about that isometric kind of top down toy style car game. Motorstorm RC I think launched first on Vita. Maybe it was cross Vita and PS3. But that was such a fun take on the Motorstorm franchise. Where like I think the the tutorial you were in a little a backyard swimming pool, like a drain swimming pool, kind of like a bowl. Um, RC program kind of had that, the old micro machines games. I know newer games have tried to capture that even after MotorStorm RC, but I think it's a, it's a fun aesthetic. And I, I think RC program too, didn't the camera always stay the same way? So it wasn't traditional tank controls, but like, as you came around a bend, like, yeah, left That's my was still, left or right you know you kind of do that brain math real quick i could be yeah. wrong but i think it was like that my recollection yeah is that it didn't it didn't mess with you in that way you just had to learn it and once you learned it it was fine you know yeah 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 good game anyway, but but also battle toads i think that yeah that's like the other microsoft announcement right the other secret microsoft yeah. it's like oh our games are coming and then also we're playing nice with these old rare games also um yeah and letting them be on other and they've done some of that for golden eye blah 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 but it's it's interesting to see more of that stuff go um back onto a nintendo platform killer instinct stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah they showed a bunch of uh games that are coming and um you know that rare logo got prominence as well and i, I you know there's like 
you got to be of an age for that to matter at all. You know what I mean? Uh, that was a, that that end of that presentation was for a very specific subset of the audience. <laughs> but that's okay. That's cool. I'm old. You know what are we gonna do? Anyway, all right. Well, there you go. That's uh, the Nintendo Direct that happened, and that is our stories of the week. Let's talk now about games we've been playing because there's some good ones. Let's get into the playlist. Final Fantasy VII, Anthony Taormina. Final Fantasy VII. Why should it be one game when it can be three? Because mm, uh, 70 times three is more than 70 times one. <laughs> I'm not a math expert, that, but that does sound right as far as the math. But I will, I will say, in fairness to this game, yes. Yeah, so Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I guess I should preface this by saying... Uh, spoilers for remake how are we feeling about that uh i think we can i don't know how spoilery do you want to get well because i i don't know if people are like curious about how uh the kind of uh wrapper around remake was really interesting um I don't know if you want me to talk about that and how it like well, let's just comes say into folks play. don't want to be spoiled on remake skip ahead a minute We'll give you an opportunity to do that, but Anthony's going to give a little of the the first Final Fantasy VII game spoilers. Yeah, so I just wanted to say, like, in the context of, okay, there's this concept that exists in the game of remaking what you think the storyline is of Final Fantasy VII. Right. Um, so uh, in the context of, like, Rebirth continuing that, I think it's uh, there's some interesting things to talk about, but I'll be more vague when it's Rebirth specific. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Rebirth justifies itself. It's a massive game. I feel like it's ba- it's bigger than Remake was. I By wow. the time I finished it and I hadn't done everything, I was 73 hours in. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it, it is it is a large game. It is they took the kind of idea of. In Final Fantasy VII, the 1990 version, 1997 version, or whatever year it came out, um, you know, you leave Midgar and you then are uh, able to kind of travel the overworld. It gives this bigger, like, exploration concept. And it's done very simply on the PlayStation. But now they kind of take that and and give you these bigger open world areas. If anybody's played the demo, um, that the kind of grassland section of the demo. And then they added the Junon section um, in an update, but there's, there's quite a few of those and they are large and they can keep you occupied. Granted, it's like open worldy stuff. So mm-hmm. it's somewhat repetitive and, and somewhat like if you're not into the combat specifically, you might not be a huge fan of it, but then there's also missions that are kind of more story structured. They'll have you do things with partner characters or things like that. So, but it's, it is just in terms of sheer size, this is a bigger game. And I think because of it, it is a better game. Hmm. Um, I, I mean, lessons learned from remake helped help inform it. But it, yeah, this is a I loved remake. I love rebirth. They are both great games. Uh, and so if you played remake and loved it, I think you're going to love this game. I think that you might have some kind of questions about uh, certain elements. But uh, overall, it, it is really, really a good game. 
you know, I've heard a lot of discourse. People kind of revisiting remake uh, as yeah. as rebirth is has um, uh, on the horizon, and <clears throat> you know, I one of the more interesting things that people have talked about is how the the design philosophy seems to have been that they just assume people know Final Fantasy VII already when they're playing it. Yes. Do you think, do you so, think that Rebirth really d- leans into that or continues to lean into that? Not as much. So in Remake, there there are sort of moments. Uh, it, this is a, not a really like a spoilery moment, but there's like kind of a thing of, okay, something something's going to happen that would theoretically kill a character early on and they don't die because this like these whispers intervene and then that kind of establishes this idea that's now present in this eventual trilogy of fate and destiny and defying fate and playing with this expectation of these are games that you if you are old enough you played them and you know what's supposed to happen and the game or the game world the story is either the characters are subverting what's supposed to happen or the, these whispers are trying to make sure that these things happen. And so mm. it is enriched by having played Final Fantasy VII. I would say Rebirth compared to Remake is still pretty faithful in a lot of ways to the original game. You're still getting a lot of the points that you might remember visiting places like Cosmo Canyon and Nibelheim and places that you remember. And the, you go to the Gold Saucer and that is an absolute treat. Um but yeah, it, you're it's playing with your expectations, but also showing you the same things that you saw, sometimes repackaged, sometimes exactly how it was, obviously in better graphics with voice acting now and things like that. But it yeah. is it is, I think, made better by having played Final Fantasy seven. But I don't think it's necessarily something that you would feel like cheaped out on or you're like, I don't know what's going on because it's still following the storyline right. just for somebody like me you're seeing it and going oh, okay we're, we're doing this and we're doing it as written oh we're doing this but we're not doing it as written uh, or or maybe there's like added scenes or um some of the barrett stuff i was really impressed by because now the voice acting there's like more emotion to his character he doesn't mm. feel as one note as he might feel in the original game or even in remake um i think they do a great job there um you spend more time with the characters. So certain, you know, moments you're like, I, I really care about these characters. Mm. So certain things that happen or don't happen or, you know, whatever, I'm not going to say anything. Uh, you know, you're, you're influenced by. Is this and your game of the year? Right now? Yes. A hundred percent. Will it's it be? Stand it? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I mean, unless they announce something looking at the list of games, if we just Elden like Ring lock, DLC, I get it. <laughs> no, I'm not you, Christian. Uh, <laughs> if we you lock, the, we, if we lock this, you know, uh, release schedule in a time capsule, I don't see anything beating this game. That's, yeah. I mean, it we're might. talking about some details, but I'd love to back up folks and just let them let the hype wash over them. You know, this game has been a long time coming. These remakes have been a long time coming and folks have been waiting years now for this second part. And it's decades. exclusive oh, to years for the second part, but decades for this to happen at all. Yeah. yeah. And now it's exclusive to this new hardware. I mean, is this this is it, right? It, it lives up to the hype. It's worth having you having bought that PS5 for those years ago when they announced that it was coming and it's it's kind of doing everything that you want it to do in the the fun awesome ways. 
Yes, but I don't necessarily feel like it's um, like fully taking advantage of the PS5, in my opinion. There are loading screens and loading moments. It's not as instantaneous as your your average PS5 exclusive. Um, it, it looks great, um, but I played Remake on PC when they released it on PC, and that's like, that's the way to play it. It looks <laughs> incredible. Um, and I think for like a fast paced combat game like this, it would benefit from, you know, being able to hit that high resolution bar and performance bar, whereas you kind of have to pick one or the other with the performance or the fidelity mode. Um, but it, yeah, it's still like, I mean, it it could look worse than it looks and I would still be impressed with it in a lot of ways. The, you know, I think the character details are great. The way that they bring these environments that were, you know, prefab backgrounds and give that like uh for exact example uh Bugenhagen is a character <laughs> that you meet and you kind of like go into a few of his like uh his areas in in the original game and then this you're like oh, i see all this detail all this care put into making sure the set design is really really incredible and so it really does feel like you know it's enriches all the little details they put in the original by giving more detail to boss designs or uh, level designs or character designs, or just kind of like fleshing things out from a story perspective of this character you meet, you probably like them and you didn't spend a lot of time with them. Well, now we've given you some side quests that, you know, handle them more. Hmm. And it, yeah, it's, it's all better for it in my opinion. Um, you know, I think similar to Final Fantasy 16, I would love you both to finish it and then we could like spoiler talk it. But yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know if you guys are in for a 70 hour game. I think you can get away <laughs> with lot. like 40 hours. Yeah, but no, 70 is a lot. I talked about it on here. I liked remake quite a bit. I came to it very late, um, but I liked it quite a lot. I did not like this first demo. Um, yeah, I, I, did, about it yeah on the- I did hear that. The show, and I felt like I think it's because it was doing a very specific flashback that in, if my memory serves, and my it was a long time ago, um, if my memory serves, that whole f- demo was built out of like a thirty second cutscene in the original game. If I, it was like, yes, and, and this yeah. is you used to be my Padawan, basically, and it was but, like I sure was. Well, there's and more. Then, there is more to the demo. Yes, did you you got to the grasslands part, and that was yeah. them saying like, hey, here's what we're doing. Yeah. I think open world yeah. was showing up, but I just I, I found it. I don't know. It just didn't. Maybe because remake already kind of rocked my world, and then the the constrained village part didn't. I didn't enjoy as much. Um, I, I'm very curious how I, how this game is going to hit for me. To be perfectly honest, I don't know yet. Anthony, do they do any new things mechanically with the combat? Is it or is it basically what they did in remake? There, there are some small changes. Um, they do more with how you can. So if you remember from remake, there was this concept of pressuring and then filling up that bar and then staggering. And then, you right. can, you know, your your damage is multiplied. They, yeah. they do more with like in the first game, it was a lot of, oh, they're weak to lightning, hit them with lightning and it'll pressure them. Now there's like they will do a specific move 
and you have to hit them with a heavy attack at that exact moment and that will pressure them or you have to dodge at the right time Mm -hmm. so there's more mechanically there there's also um what are called synergy abilities which are like every time you use one of your abilities you know you fill up your atb you get one bar um or you can you have two bars and so you can spend one bar or two bars on an action like cloud does braver or you use a spell and cure people or something like that and every time you use an atb uh bar it like goes underneath your kind of health bar and you can bank those and the synergy abilities are like barrett has three of them and tifa has three of them so they can do this kind of team up move and they're really flashy attacks that do a bunch of damage but you're still doing largely the same thing as remake of attacking to fill up the bar and then picking an ability or a spell or, or a summon or something like that and you're working to pressure the enemy exploit their weaknesses get them staggered to do the bigger damage um it's not I would say it doesn't like reinvent the wheel in any form it all feels familiar and like smart iterations but not game changing so if you were like i don't like this i want you know for example if you like final fantasy 16's like single character dodging parrying yeah. it doesn't do that or anything like that it doesn't right. go it's back still, based yeah. on what's going on well there you go final fantasy 7 rebirth rebirth Oh, I should also say there are so many mini games in this game. It is insane. <laughs> like more or less than Spider-Man 2. <laughs> more. Wow. We're talking like there there is the Queen's Blood like card game. There is like there are so many. You do you're like this this is going to be a mini game, isn't it? And you're like, "Yep, it's a mini game." You know, it's like actually the, if you read the back of the box, it's actually many games. Many games. Not mini games, many games. There's so many of them. Yeah. But yeah, ma- a massive game, lots of stuff in it, and it is. Uh, you were gonna play it anyway if you played remake. Like, you, yeah, you're either like in that. or you're out. You're in or you're out. It's good to know that you know it's living up, living up to the. Or maybe now you said you don't know if it's. You haven't come down on whether it is better than remake or you. Prefer no, I think it, to- it is. I think it is better. Oh yeah, because it's um, longer and takes more time and has more stuff. Uh, yes, I, I feel yeah. like it's it. You know, you were you were basically turning what was like the prologue of Final Fantasy right. VII into a full game, and now you're taking like the big meaty part and splitting it in two, and they really do make it feel meaty. And in some ways, yes, maybe some padding, and it might feel like okay, well, doing the open world sections of going to the tower and activating the things, and then you you know you have to be into the combat or you have to really like enjoy what you're doing. But that's true of most open world games, right? But there's more things to do, you know, if those people that are like, I beat the game and I want more to do, like I beat the game at 70 whatever hours and I could probably get another 30 plus hours out of this game if I wanted to. Too many hours. So many hours. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Give me a nice 40 hour. You know, that's 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 I think you could probably get away with beating this in 40, but I, I, I really wanted to like develop the bonds between the characters and everything. Jeff couldn't. He's a moth to a flame when a minigame. He's got to go do this side mission. Yeah. Hey, Jeff, how's uh, how's uh, Horizon going for you? Yeah, you do all those 100% that yet? Huh? I did, though. I mean, that was the one. That's the one. <laughs> the second one? The second one? The second one is is the one. Well, 
Yeah, I, I, I played the living crap out of that game because I loved it so <laughs> See, much. See, this is the problem. If yeah. Jeff likes a game, it's the, uh, yeah. Well, here's yeah. the weird part. I did too, but I didn't really like that game. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you have a different all you need to know about me. The, the three of us all have our own form of sickness, and they're all different, which is why we, yeah. we complement each other so well. <laughs> so we my sickness is... be in the same place at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> my sickness is, hey, I'm getting ready to you know fight this Spider-Man villain, and I'm le- I'm 18 levels above them, and I'm like, well, you're about to die. <laughs> <laughs> I spent 400 hours getting ready for this two-minute fight. I collected all them Spider-Bots. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is not the only game you've been playing. Nay, you sure. have uh, some other interesting stuff to talk about. What would you like to do next? Um, I, I'd like to talk about Pacific Drive. I think, though, yeah. that seems like a game that's right up your alley, Jeff. I um, know. It does look like a game I'm going to like. I uh, I have not had a chance to play it, but it it uh, it looks like something I'm going to like. So it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a roguelike or roguelite, however you want to kind of uh, describe it, where... You are you're pulled into this kind of a uh, supernatural area or kind of quarantined off place called the Olympic Exclusion Zone. Weird stuff is happening. The laws of physics don't apply. Lots of supernatural things. And you find this station wagon, which uh, they call in the game like a remnant. They say like kind of leftover things from the old world, so to speak, are called remnants. And yeah. Um, they say you make your bond with the remnants when you come into contact it. And it's kind of a clever way of saying like, you're going to become obsessed with this car. And the idea of being obsessed with the car is largely you're going out and doing these excursions in the car. You're driving around, avoiding um, the supernatural phenomenon that's trying to damage your car and eventually kill you to get resources to then make your car better. And when you go out, you can sur- you know survive more. You can, um, you know, put, stronger panels a stronger hood um you can put better tires so you can go off road it starts off very like look this car is a piece of junk (laughs) and it doesn't handle well it doesn't do this and then you can see like oh it's now i can drive on the dirt and it doesn't slip and slide everywhere (laughs) um but it, it is still built around these runs of okay i'm going out into this area you look at the map you kind of can see buildings and the buildings um, usually have you know drawers and cabinets for you to rifle through you get uh, a crowbar and a like a kind of a the chainsaw that like fire fighters use you know to cut people out of yeah. cars Jaws of it's life like that. yeah uh well that's like an opening thing right anyway yeah. oh. it, it's mm. it's called a scrapper and it you <laughs> you just use it to like you know chew up car panels of like beat down cars and then you're getting uh metal or adhesive or this and that and you're kind of combining those to then make upgrades for your car upgrades for your garage which is like your home base um and then the idea is very roguelike in that you go out you do the runs the car gets better you go out and maybe you are a little too risky um, cause all the runs are built around this idea that there's this storm kind of closing in on the area and to leave the run, you have to get this, uh, kind of special magical material and then put it into your car and it'll open a portal. But once you open the portal, the whole world starts, you know, collapsing. So you kind of have to get, get out quickly. So if your car is not fast enough or not protected enough, it, it develops quirks, it, you know, it'll do things where it's like, 
you're now you need to every time you turn the car on the windshield wipers turn on or like every time <laughs> you turn the car on it, it like it develops these quirks based on like weird things happening so it it makes it challenging you can go into accessibility uh, and turn that stuff off if you want you don't have to like be locked into any one thing if that sounds annoying or tedious to you but it is a very fun like just one more run type of survival game of i'm gonna get more i just want to get some adhesive and some gears so that i can make this part of my car a little stronger and you never this is a first person game yes and you, you never get out of the car right you're just you get constantly. out of the car oh you, you get, get out, out of the, the car. car okay yeah so you um you get out of the car you have to you have to put it in park and you have to turn it off. If you just get out of the car, it will keep rolling away. That's funny. Um, it, it is. And it, it is not like a, you know, when you start off, it's not like you turn the key and it's instantly on. It's like it needs to rev for a second. So it has those like details. But yeah, you get out of the car, you rifle through things. Um, you're not like going out and fighting aliens or anything like that. Right. You're just trying to like pick up resources and some of the resources are harder to get or there's risk involved and and things like that but you are you are getting out of the car but your transportation between those areas and then to kind of get out of the run is is all car based i feel like i would like this it's only 26 i think so, yeah. on 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 uh on Steam right now 10% off right now it's uh you know less than 30 bucks i might have to pick this up uh it looks really Really interesting idea, really clever kind of. I've never seen that before. the The car gives me like Ecto One vibes. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, uh, it's so. uh, yeah. You can you can put like paint and decals on it. Like you can customize it. So you know, it's not like you know, I look at your car and you look at my car in the end game, and they both look the same because they all have the same like best upgrades. You can make them look different with paint and decals and stuff. And like, that's the idea that they said yeah. is like the remnant, you become attached to your remnant and it's them saying like, look, you're going to want to take care of this car. Yeah, that's cool. So that's Pacific drive. And it sounds like Anthony is digging it. Yeah. Uh, what else, what else is on your playlist? Uh, well, I played a, I played Penny's uh, big breakaway. So I know well, Christian wants to, yeah, let's talk, wants about, to talk that, about that uh, in Christian's uh, in Christian's. Okay. Uh, um, I, I just put some stuff, you know, I a uh, long time listener, first time caller. I put stuff, <laughs> not you know, the first time you've called. <laughs> it's um, true, not the first I wanna, time called. I want to hear about Skull and Bones because you played okay. some Skull and Bones. Uh, this game has we know has had a very uh, let's say it's ridden the turbulent seas of development. <laughs> mm-hmm. When this when this game, game first started uh, development. You and I, Jeff, we did not have children. Yeah. Yeah. We 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 created humans in the interim between <laughs> when this game was announced and now it's yeah. coming out. Yeah. Designed yeah. as like, a, hey, we're taking the pirate boat section of Assassin's Creed Black Flag and we are making a full game of it. Uh, but we're not right sure, quite sure what we're doing with it. Um, and I, I would say like that doesn't really come through the like, you know, you don't see the development struggles You do see the shortcomings of like, maybe they had grander ideas, but I think skull and bones, if you enjoyed the ship combat of Assassin's Creed for black flag or any of the other Assassin's Creed that kind of shoehorned it in as well, it's still very, very fun. The mm-hmm. like playing yeah. with the physics of like, okay, this cannon is going to fly this far and this ship is going to turn. So I'm going to try and like aim and uh, you get different kind of uh, weapons for the ship, like uh, mortars and things like that to 
make yourself more formidable. I think that's super fun. And I think that the game looks really, really great. Um, but it is very tedious. Like a lot of the stuff you do, you just do the same things mm. over and over again of like, hey, this mission just says go out, destroy this boat and bring this thing back. Um, you get out of your boat and you walk around and it's like, this was not designed right. This is not, <laughs> this is not, uh, this is not right. Um, so yeah, it, it's really where the game shines the most is in the boat combat. And I think that they, that's why I think they stuck with it is because uh, the feedback they probably continuously got was, is like this boat combat is fun, mm -hmm. but making it worth doing after having experienced the fun of an hour is where I think it struggles of you're just, you're just like yeah. doing the same thing. And you're like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do this again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember you being, a fan of Sea of Thieves. Is that wrong? I, yes, I was a yeah. fan of Sea of Thieves. How, um, I mean, a very different tenor of games, but I feel like they're kind of competitors a little. A little bit. I, I think that they are, but Sea of Thieves has that like. What I found fun about it was similar to like Helldivers and like you get yeah. together with some friends and you have like the chaos of like, right. hey, I see a boat. Let's go. That's a, those are people. Let's go not not sink them or be jerks let's like just mess with them i'll jump right. on their boat and i'll grab their wheel and just start you know they won't realize i'm not part of their team i'm just gonna walk <laughs> around and help them and they're i'll be on their boat and then when they get to like ooh, good treasure you steal it from uh, skull and, and bones I, doesn't have any of that zany fun time no right? it's it's yeah. not and and you know skull and bones could get there um i don't think with the way that ubisoft tends to uh kind of pull the plug on supporting games when they don't have a strong community. I don't know if we'll get there. Like Sea of Thieves, they kind of wrote it out. It's like the No Man's Sky on, you know, water example of like they stuck it out and they made yeah. a better game. Right. But you saw something there. I think there is something to Skull and Bones, but it, it's going to take some time to get there. I just wonder if they're going to get that install base to care. I, yeah. It's hard to say. It's yeah. And they've already given the game a lot of time that's the, true the, the other side of it yeah. like yeah that's how i feel like you know how we're days away from hearing that that suicide squad dlc is gonna get canceled and we're pulling the plug on this thing it's like we've given yeah. you the time you know you didn't it didn't happen but maybe the joker i, th I think is enough a, for them it is in a it. similar boat to suicide squad in that uh, when certain <laughs> certain parts of <laughs> of of uh Playing Suicide Squad and Skull and Bones are fun. And you get to like the, okay, well, you wanted me to play this game for a long yeah. time. Right. And I don't think it's fun enough for me to play it for the long time. I had fun playing it for a short time. All right. But Suicide Squad more than Skull and Bones, to be honest. But interesting. Uh, you also got a chance to play the new Mario versus Donkey Kong remake for Switch tw 20 mm -hmm. years later. How was yes. Mario versus Donkey Kong? I never played the original, so I, I don't really have that point of comparison. And I'm playing with my son, so we're playing two-player, and we are playing on casual difficulty. So take all that as you will. Um, one of the kind of things that it adds is, uh, the so the setup of Mario versus Donkey Kong is um, you're side-scrolling in like a kind of self-contained area, and there is a door that's locked and you need to get 
to a key through some platforming or maybe hitting different switches, some puzzle solving. It's very, you know, old schooler Mario of like, you're not getting power ups and doing stuff like that. Uh, in, in the like super sense of like Odyssey, you are getting like some things, but you're trying to get that key and then get it to the door and open it. And then once you get into the door, the next area you get, you want to get to a Mario toy that's somewhere there, but it's not like a straight path. You know, you might have to jump around to the right side, hit a switch that activates the blue blocks and the red blocks go invisible. And then you can make your path up to the Mario mini Mario toy um, playing with another person. There's actually two keys um, and you cannot carry both keys. So I, you know, in some levels I do both keys, but in most cases it allows my son and I to be like, okay, this is your key and we'll get you to your key. Um, but it also like makes it somewhat easier because instead of having to hit switches and then go, you can just say, stand there and I'll hit the switch for you. Um, but also casual. I I'm not sure I having not played the other difficulty, if it adds like more, there's like ropes to climb or, uh, you jump on like bad guys heads that are walking across spikes. I don't know if it adds more of those versus the casual version, but we're having a great time with it. It's super fun. It isn't like, you know, mind numbingly easy or anything like that. It is challenging. Oh, yeah. It does require, you know, some, some thought of puzzle solving. And then you do like six levels in a world. And then you have two kind of finale levels for each world. And one of them is get the mini Mario toys to the, a exit kind of like, uh, like lemming style. Like they'll follow, follow Mario, even if he's above them. Um, or below them but you don't want them to like you know fall to their death or whatever and then this the second level is fighting donkey kong so he'll he'll like throw down things or there'll be different obstacles and the goal is to get a barrel jump up to where you're parallel to him or level with him and then throw the barrel at him four times um so yeah it has a, a good amount of like variety in each level and it's it's been super fun to play with my son that's awesome that's mario versus donkey kong Hearing you talk about it, I'm tempted to get it just to do that. The same thing. Play with my son. Yeah. Um, I bet he would love it. Yeah. That's uh, great. Yeah. That sounds great. And, and it, it, you know, I played it back in the day, barely remember it, but it was, it's, it's a fun, fun concept. And I think uh, it's cool that they remade it. Um, I do want to hear about Banishers. <laughs> I do. Okay. Uh, the Banishers, uh, what's it called? Ghosts, Ghosts of, New, of Eden. New Eden. Yeah. yeah. Um, this just came out and I feel like, well, maybe it's just the shadow of Helldivers 2 over everything right now. I haven't yeah. heard anybody talk about this game and it's it, kind of a big triple A game. It's really fun. I think it has some elements that I think maybe are a little rough. They have that like double A kind of like rough edges to them, mm, but yeah. it, it is still, it has good kind of God of War type combat of like you know, weighty hits and then you're, you're timing your dodges and parrying. Um, but yeah, the concept is you are this guy who his, his wife or partner, she was what's called a banisher. And she was kind of like been brought up as a banisher and a banisher comes to towns and is hired by um, like, this is set like colonial times um, and, and banishes like ghosts that are haunting places. And very early on, something happens. She does not make it. And so she becomes a ghost. And so she's kind of working with the player character. And 
adding to combat, like her ghostly abilities. Um, they, when you are interacting with various things come into play, whether it's combat or storyline stuff, the combat is very God of War. It's not as super polished as that, but it's still super fun. Um, but what I think is really interesting is the story and the acting is really just it's don't nod who makes yeah, you know life is those strange. those well written games yeah and so one of the interesting things that it deals with is this guy ha- has been kind of spent all this time with his wife they've been working as banishers and all they do is banish ghosts but now his wife is a ghost so you can either like you're dealing with this idea of i'm g- either going to help her ascend or i'm going to like bring her back to life um, and how you're doing that is you'll meet various characters either in the main story or like side quests, and they are usually haunted by a ghost. And you have to kind of make these moral decisions. Uh, an example early on is there's this lady. She's she had been sort of physically abused by her husband and th- she met this other guy. They started a thing and they killed her husband. And so you find out that the husband's been haunting them. And then you, to, in order to get rid of it, when when the kind of the the storyline is done for that side quest, is you decide who, you know, was she in the right? Should you banish the ghost guy, or was he just a jerk and he should be banished? Um, and based on those decisions, you are helping your your wife, um, like decide. Okay, she's going to ascend because we made the right choice. You know, she's going to you know just die. Uh, because we made the wrong choice it, it's it make it presents these really interesting like morally gray decisions of what are you going to do not based on like you want to be paragon or renegade in mass effect but what do you want to do based on the situations of these people do are they justified in the things they're doing I and like that's the that, best man. part of the game that's yeah, the best I, part of the game i love shades of gray in a story and not not a clear cut like well you're the you're the noble or you're the arch villain. Yeah. You know, I like it there being like, well, there's no real, somebody's going to suffer no matter what. And there's no real clear cut way to yeah. go about this. Cause there's what no, you, you know, for her, for his wife, both of the choices are good and bad. You, yeah, you know, right, she exactly. ascends, ascends as a ghost and you never see her again. And you know, like, you know, she went to a better place in this world or you bring her back to life, but the cost of bringing her back to life is, you know, very heavy yeah. and, and you're going against your idea as you know, a banisher. So the storyline is really what propelled me through the game. The combat is good. And I think is it gets better as you get more powers and you're kind of fighting these ghostly apparitions and in interplaying between his physical combat and her like spiritual magic powers. Um, but the, the storyline is really what kept me going. Hmm. Well, that is banisher. Banishers, plural, banishers, ghosts of New Eden. And that is a lot of the stuff that Anthony Tarmina has been playing. Really, really cool list. Christian Spicer, you've been playing some stuff. I have been playing some stuff. I'll talk about the quick thing first. The quick thing is uh, Resistance Retribution came out on... um, playstation 4 and 5 it's also included in playstation plus premium i think it's 10 bucks if you want to buy it and it is a psp game so it is part of their catalog their reissuing of these psp games but you can also buy it if you don't want to sub to it i love the resistance franchise 
Um, some are certainly better than others. I also love, have always loved handheld gaming and Resistance Retribution made by Bend Studio. The main trilogy was made by Insomniac on console, but the PSP version was made by Bend. It was such a fascinating take on the franchise on this little handheld that could, you know, that was positioned as a home console in your pocket kind of thing. But also, maybe kind of what Doom did, it only had one analog nub. It had it was like the analog slider, so it wasn't dual stick. And I think what Bend did creatively to make a first-person shooter-style game work on that system at the time was really fascinating, where you had a very big area that you would kind of guide it over to using the face buttons, and then it would auto-lock, essentially. And you could go in, I think, shoulder and fine-tune it. But a really interesting take on how do we adapt this to this piece of hardware. They had a mode where you could play with a with a PS3 controller, even back then, like hook your PS3 controller up to the PSP to get dual stick. And so that's what this version uses. It uses those old PS3 controller connected to a PSP style controller. So it's dual analog, but it still has, it's very floaty kind of moving because it's, it's still built for this other style of control. Th- this game's a relic. I, I can't call it good, but I love it. You know, I'm so, I, I loved it so much at the time of like, I'm playing resistance on the handheld kind of thing of like these big swings Sony was taking at the time. And they did it with the Vita as well with Uncharted. And it was like, we're not going to do the safe handheld game. We're going to try to make this big console-esque version of these games on this underpowered hardware. And it's a really cool, interesting story. The writing, I don't think has held up particularly well revisiting it now. Um, so don't, we don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but if folks, uh, you know, are nostalgic for the PSP days and they haven't emulated it some other way or, um, busted out their PSP again, I wanted to bring people's attention that resistance, bring it to people's attention that resistance retribution is now available on modern consoles. And I think worth revisiting from that studying yesteryear approach of what games are. And it has, it, it's upscaled. It looks nice, but it's not a remake. It is not a remaster. It, it is not you know, Dark Forces remaster, which is coming out soon, which is a lot of work was put into. This is a very basic port to bring this forward. Um, but just a fascinating little game that came out a long time ago that I think folks might have missed, especially if you have the sub. I think it's worth trying Resistance Retribution. Did you try this because you've been playing Helldivers and you're like, I want to, I wish it was Resistance actually. <laughs> I mean, part of it is I, I, I mean, I think we talked about it on one of the times we were playing Helldivers. I love that franchise. I think it's yeah. fun. I think the Chimera are an interesting character design. I think Insomniac did some really cool stuff with that franchise back in the day. And I've had such a, I, I have such a soft spot for Sony handhelds that when this, I mean, I already mentioned MotorStorm RC <laughs> this episode. So yeah, when I saw this come up, it was, it's 10 bucks and it's worth revisiting for me. Um, and it's an easy platinum. If people are interested, you just have to beat the game. Get those easy plats. Get those easy plats. And the next game that Anthony also has played um, that I want to spend more time on, but I guess feels perhaps tonally similar to Resistance Retribution in terms of being a relic of the past or hearkening back to a relic of the past is Penny's Big Breakaway. I was provided a code for Penny's Big Breakaway. It was stealth dropped the day of the Nintendo Direct developed by evening star which is christian whitehead studio he was one of the developers on the beloved by myself and many others sonic mania and penny's big breakaway in my opinion is a dreamcast game that exists in 2024 it has all of the vibes 
<clears throat> excuse me, in all of the feelings of those quirky, trying something new in an established genre and like pushing, seeing where the boundaries were and, and kind of what Sega was doing in that time. And so it is a 3D platformer, but you can tell that Evening Star is still playing within a lot of the toolbox of the Sonic franchise where momentum is important and linking things together is important. And also momentum can punish you at times like it does in the Sonic games. But it's brought into this 3D world in a way that I think is probably more successful than any Sonic 3D adaptation has ever been. You are this, I don't know what Penny is, a busker, a jester, a person? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know what her character is. She's a is. yo-yoist. A She's coin? a yo-yoist. She, uh, I, I don't a sheep. I don't know. I don't know what she is. But so you're Penny, and uh, the premise of the game, the conceit, I think, is kind of silly. But the you anger the king uh, in a very silly way, and now you have to go get through these levels <laughs> and have some fun. It's, a, doing it's it. one cubic video game story. Y- yes, exactly. It's like and now go do these things. But everything about the game harkens back to that Dreamcast era to me, like the colors, the sound the the way um you don't have control over the camera it is a 3d platformer that the right stick is used to flick your yo-yo um now you're seeing this in a good way like it it recalls the dreamcast in a a good way in the best way possible i i loved the dreamcast i loved its quirky games i love i think they stand the test of time as these really interesting and fascinating and games that were the developers were deeply passionate about, and you could see their passion pour out under those games. And I think this is that style of game 100%. I am so happy that this game exists. I don't know if it'll be in my top five at the end of the year, but it will certainly be in my other five because I think it, it just ex- exudes joy and whimsy and fun while also I cannot wait to see games done quick tackle this game it's built for speed running you can unlock a time attack mode in the levels there's tons of secrets in them and if you're really good at it you can almost tony hawk your way through a level of just and it tells you like your combo like you're riding on your yo-yo you sleep your yo-yo you flip off your yo-yo like all these tricks you can do to keep yourself moving through these worlds and the worlds are beautiful and colorful and and full of whimsy and happiness you know it's not gray brown sadness right my nits i i do not like penny's character design i don't know what she is i i i just think she could look better or more iconic everything else in the game i think looks really really cool and then i don't know if it's bugs like there are some bugs in the game that i've encountered but i've also had trouble with the controls in a way and i don't know why they act a certain way like sometimes i'll be riding on my yo-yo and you just have to push the button to do it. I think it's right trigger, right bumper to get yes. to get your yo to ride on your yo. And sometimes I push it and I ride on it just fine. Other times I push it, she jumps on it and then immediately falls off and I zone out and I ring out. Sometimes I push on it and you can ride on it for, you know, 40 seconds over water and it's no problem. Other times I push it and I ride on it for five seconds and I drown. And I don't know why <clears throat> the game's not communicating to me like what's happening. Like, I was playing a lot of it on my Steam Deck where it runs flawlessly at 60 frames. I was loving it on Steam Deck, but I was having these issues and I was like, oh, maybe my Steam Deck controls are broken or something. So I sat down at my PC to play and I was still encountering this 
inconsistency in how I think it tries to control. But when it hits, I don't know if any game creates the feeling that Penny's big, big breakaway does, but there's just enough of those frustration points where I, I feel like I figured out the puzzle, you know, in my head, or like I know what I'm supposed to do. And it, I think I'm doing it, <laughs> but somewhere <laughs> along the way, I'm not. And I don't know quite what's not happening. But I love this game. I mean, I, I'm blown away by it. I'm curious, Anthony. I think maybe the technical stuff might irk you the wrong, rub you the wrong way a little bit more than me, but I'm curious. So I did, I did notice the same thing you're talking about of like, I want to swing on the yo-yo, but it's not, it, it's like taking the, so one of the things she can do is she throws the yo-yo out like the length of her string and then she swings along it to like make a longer jump. But you can also double tap the button to throw out the yo-yo and that will like dash you. And sometimes I would do the wrong thing and was like, what is that? Okay. It must just be me. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with a lot of the things you're saying. I do think that overall the game just is kind of, it feels dated, but not in a bad way. Um, so you kind of like have to go into it knowing like, this is not modern video game concepts at play. Like it is, it is more in the, like, you're just running around kind of like Sonic is still now, you know, you're, you're running around and you're not necessarily, it's just not as super as exciting, I guess, as I look for in a game these days. Um, I would, I would have probably loved it if I was younger, my son played a little bit of it and he was loving it. And I was like, okay, I understand. Um, But yeah, it, it harkens back to a time like the Dreamcast era or even earlier of like these, um, kind of platforming games where things were a little simpler and and the fun was in the kind of the mechanics. So I think the, the speed and the momentum that she is able to do with the yo-yo, like you said, of riding on it or, or getting pulled by it. And there's a combo meter of you're doing a bunch of different moves and linking them together that I think is really clever and, and well implemented. It just doesn't, um, it feels additional and not like core to the experience is something you can do if you want to do it but it's not you're if only if you're doing the time attack or you're doing like a score attack it makes sense but if when you're just playing the game it's not essential you can just run around and just jump from place to place and use the different movements and that just i don't know i didn't find it super engaging um yeah i i almost feel like it suffers from not committing to the bit all the way if that makes sense like even with the controls i think the way they want you to play is you use your right stick to flick your yoga yo-yo and you because there's no camera control and then you use your trigger and bumper for your other yo-yo mechanics riding on it and uh swinging on it you can kind of stick it in the air and swing on it but you can also do those same things with button presses it's like oh well a is also jump we intended you to use right trigger, but you can also use A. And X can also throw your yo-yo, even though we kind of want you to keep your hand on the right stick to to flick it. And I think because it has those options, I think playing using the face buttons is a worse experience, even if it is the, it's the traditional control experience. So I think a lot of people will be like, oh, I push A to jump. Of course I do. That's what you always use. But I think this game was really built around these other control experiences that are maybe harder to grok um at first but if you commit to them they're great and i agree with anthony with what you're saying you can complete a lot of the levels just kind of by walking and jumping like it doesn't make you 
do all the things. You don't have to have a 20 combo to do it. But if you do or to unlock the secrets or to get the other stuff, it's I think it is a very exciting and rich experience, but it allows you to just kind of like ho-hum through it. And I, I think I, my fear is with this game, it will make a mediocre first impression. And then as you get into the further levels in the world and you start seeing the creativity on display of like what new thing like it introduces like mini golf, <laughs> you know, at some point and like all these yeah. really quirky mechanics later on that if you've been building the reps, you can do these beautiful runs, you know, um, oh gosh, what's the game? You wear masks and it's a speed running first person game. Um, oh, the whites. Yeah. Neon white. white. Oh, neon, neon white. Yeah, neon yeah. white. Yes. I think this has a lot of similarities to neon white in, in, in that you want to go fast, but I don't know if Penny's Big Breakaway makes you go fast the way neon white did. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like the, the base level should be, or the base layer should be as engaging as like the pro level. And I feel like what you're talking about, you can see it. You could go, I can see where somebody would have a lot of fun at this level, but I still want to have fun like at the basic level. And I wasn't really having fun. Well, there you go. That's Penny's big breakaway. And it is what uh, Christian and Anthony have been playing. Um, my playlist, uh, I might save one of these for next week, but I, I want to talk to you about Jeff's Rogue Light of the Week. It's my little jingle that I just made for myself. Uh, you almost this... rolled into like Beatles territory on that jingle. You got to be real <laughs> careful with those. Uh... <laughs> Can't buy me rogue likes. <laughs> no, no, no. Wrong way. Not sorry, lean sorry, into. Sorry. Lean away. <laughs> lean away. Um, we all live in a rogue like <laughs> a machine. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is a game called Spell Rogue. Spell. How do you spell rogue? Well, rouge. Yeah, kind of rouge. Um, <laughs> spell Rogue is uh, is is Jeff Kanata catnip. It is my jam in that. Uh, very much slay the spire. Very much. Uh, very very competent. Knows exactly what it is. Uh, doing the things I like, you know, it's got that slay of the spire. You're progressing uh, through a branching, uh, ever progressing uh, march toward your boss battle, uh, where you can choose to have more fights or try to go to a uh, a shop to get new stuff or an upgrade thing or a mystery node. And, you know, it's it, it does the thing that all the roguelites do, or many of them do. Um, where, you know, you're kind of picking what to do next. And then uh, when you get into combat, it is a uh, turn-based, uh, very much like, uh, say the Spire, card-ish based. But what Spell Rogue does differently is it adds dice to the equation. Dice! Oh, oh, oh you know I love dice, luck and cardboard. Um, and, you know, I think Spell Rogue very much borrows from a well-established uh, gameplay mechanic that has been introduced on the tabletop uh, for years. Um, I think even like Lords of Waterdeep had this. There's a, there's a lot of games, a lot of uh, worker placement games on on uh, tabletop that will use dice instead of workers. And so you roll a pool of dice and you see what comes up. And then based on the numbers, you can assign those dice to do certain actions. That's exactly what Spell Rogue does. So uh, you have your traditional Slay the Spire-esque cards as actions. 
So you've got this, this, uh, for lack of a better word, hand of cards. You've got these, these potential actions at your disposal. And the beginning of every turn of Spell Rogue, you roll dice. Your character rolls dice. And uh, based on the values of those dice, you can activate some of the actions. So there'll be an attack that requires you to roll a four or better on a regular D6. This is all D6 dice, by the way. Um, so if you didn't roll any uh, stuff above a four or four or higher, you can't do that action. Uh, there are ways to manipulate the dice. There are ways to re-roll dice. There Can I do that with my kids? Like roll, you got to roll. You got a three. You cannot can't do it. Sorry. You can't be upset right now. Try. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that. Man, that action. would be brilliant. Wouldn't that be wonderful <laughs> if you could do that? Sorry. Uh, can you roll for tantrum? Roll for tantrum. <laughs> That's a small one. Oh, yeah, no, you're definitely rolling right down the hallway Yeah, with that tantrum. <laughs> my bad. Just bad word choice is what that was. Like, yeah, I don't need to take out the garbage because I rolled a six. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you know, it's it's cool because you're, you know, you're making these decisions based on uh, the dice that come up. And, you know, sometimes even a re-roll, you're like, oh, it's still rolled a one, whatever. Uh, but then, you you know, you will... As you progress through a run, a roguelite run, you will be able to acquire new spells and build out your, uh, you know, your your loadout, your uh, optimal playstyle uh, by deciding, you know, what how you want the dice to go, what what kinds of things you want to be able to do, and there's all the trappings of these kinds of games, these kinds of card based uh, uh, roguelite games where. You know they'll have lots of keywords on the cards that will let, let out, you know give you shields and uh, you know add buffs and debuffs to yourself and to the enemies and uh, you know all the stuff that you would expect from a Slay the Spire esque game. But just this added layer of the dice really does make it feel a little fresher. And I gotta say the 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 wrappings of Spell Rogue are pretty nice. I think it, it's an attractive game. Um, the art is uh, top notch. It's got um, 3D models for the fight. So you know, some of these games like Slay the Spire will be in 2D. And th- this is actually using sort of 3D modeled uh, characters that look really cool. And there's different elemental um, protagonists or you know characters for you to unlock and play as. And they have a completely different skill set. And, um, you know, it just does all the things that I like these games to do. And does it well. It is addictive. The fights are fun. Um, the decisions are quick and cool. And the dice mechanic, I you know, I'm just a sucker for rolling dice, and I like what that does to the decision making and how it limits you or or cre- creates uh, you know choke points of a of a situation where like oh I wanted this to happen oh, oh please 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 rolls you know the success or failure of a roll is is, is exciting. Um, so I'm really enjoying Spell Rogue. I, this is, I should have mentioned at the top, an early access game. I bought it um, thinking that I'm probably going to be enjoying it throughout its uh, early access life as it adds new content. But it is certainly not not yet um, feature complete. Um, but I'm, I'm enjoying Spell Rogue for what it is now. And I think it's only going to get uh, cooler and better. So a couple of people recommended this to me knowing my proclivities and they were right spell rogue if you like these kinds of games it's very good 
The hardest roguelike Jeff plays is deciding which roguelike to play. Dude, and this <laughs> run, I will be playing. Yeah, I do like a roguelite. I do like a roguelite. I'm going to be honest. All right. Uh, well, our run here is coming to an end. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Anthony Taormina, it's always so much fun having you here. Thank you for swinging by. And I know you 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 called up and you're like, I, I need to talk Final Fantasy VII Rebirth with you guys. And I'm really glad you did. Uh, thanks yes. for being here, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. I uh, Talking about Final Fantasy 16, I was glad that I was able to do that because Jeffy then crapped on the game so at I least i crapped on it yeah <laughs> so, i doubt that will I happen this time but we'll see it was basically i was walking listening to uh christian talk about the demo and i was like i gotta get on this podcast before this happens again <laughs> that's how we get anthony anthony's actually yeah. i know we have the song that's like who's gonna be here it must be a holiday but anthony's actually extremely busy so we have to like bait him to be yeah. on and i'll be like jeff i got it this time i'll I'll say the demo wasn't good. That'll get Anthony the From Software hasn't made a good game in years. <laughs> Jeff, light the Anthony signal. We gotta we gotta get him. We gotta how do we lure him out? <laughs> well, we're glad you're here. And tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the cool stuff you do online. I'm editor-in-chief of GameRant.com. I do a little bit of writing. Um I do help kind of curate some interesting stuff this uh this month, we had a whole big uh, feature about Nightingale, which is a new uh, early access survival game. Um, we kind of interviewed a lot of the developers and talked about that. We have another one for a uh, March game. So uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I-, I always promote those on my Twitter or X or whatever. Uh, it's Ant Tormina, A-N-T-A-O-R-M-I-N-A. Um, and then, yeah, on Game Rant, I'm doing a lot of tech reviews. So if you're curious about the... I don't know, the Pulse Explorer headset or the PlayStation Portal, which I talked about on here as well. Uh, I have reviews of things like that. Very cool. Very cool. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Uh, On Friday, the latest version, latest version, the latest installment of my newsletter, Let's Chat Games, went out, which you can... He just revises it once a month. It's just the it's re- same. It's remastered. It's the better. Latest- better font. Better font. Way better font. I wrote you can read three it now. paragraphs six years ago, and I've just been editing them in real this time. One's, this one's in polygons. Um, <laughs> and much like uh, remake and rebirth, I actually tweaked some things. Some Ooh. people will be like, "Wait, you said you liked the Vita." Ooh, now what are you saying? And it's uh, now, the latest. You, just, you licked the Vita. What? <laughs> I would be way more popular had I done that. Yeah, yeah, no, um. The latest issue, perhaps, uh, it's christianspicer.substack.com. And this one was inspired somewhat from the Xbox conversation we had. And it uh, they're conversational and casual in nature, but this one was uh, in defense of console-exclusive games. And while I'm in favor of more people getting access to the games I love, I think console-exclusive games serve an important purpose in the industry or have – and there's been some really cool replies to this from folks saying, like, maybe that was true then, but is it still true now? And there's been some fun back and forth. So folks can check that out again, christianspicer.substack.com. And then I'd like to call people's attention to this show's YouTube, which is youtube.com at slash at DLC pod, where we put up video segments of this show on Tuesday and Thursday mornings. So if you're uh, not a patron, but you want to see how dumb we look when we talk, uh, you can find those on YouTube. Hey, 
<laughs> I found the clip for this week, everybody. Two cents <laughs> clip. It's just Jeff going, hey. hey. <laughs> oh, it turns out he does look dumb when he talks. Um, <laughs> and sounds dumb, too. At least I'm consistent. Huh? What? Uh, you can follow me if you want to hear more dumb observations. Boy, do I have lots of them. Uh, about movies and TV shows on a show called The Filmcast. Uh, I talk about science uh, on a show called We Have Concerns. And I have a sports show on the fan-controlled sports and entertainment network called uh, Fan-Controlled Show. Fan-Controlled Show! Uh, you can also get limericks from me uh, by going to cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. Yeah, I don't talk about that much here, but I do it. Well, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Anthony, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do. So, uh, kind of a preamble. Originally, I was going to talk about the Avatar Netflix show because mm. I enjoyed it. But then reviews came out and everyone's like, we don't like this. And I'm not an avatar. I didn't watch the original Nickelodeon oh. show. Um, I thought, OK, I'll watch this with my son. He he wouldn't get into the, the Nickelodeon show with me. Wow. I don't know why. Um, and I was like, I think I actually like this. I saw the, you know, M. Night Shyamalan movie. I understood why that was bad. But this I was like, I actually kind of like it. And then everyone said, no, it's terrible. So anyway, don't let the. Well, People you're, you're probably you going to watch it and be like, it is terrible. Well, I haven't watched it yet. I'm very excited. We, my family did a full rewatch of all three seasons of uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, Nickelodeon show. We Just last year, we finished it. Yeah. And so my my whole family has been uh, champing at the bit to, uh, to to watch the live action show, which is why I haven't watched it yet, because we got we can't I can't watch it by myself. I got to watch yeah. it with the fam. So I'm I'm hoping it's good. But so, yeah, I have, I have two like quick parting gifts. One right. is Dune Part 2. I don't know if you saw it. I'm yet. seeing it tomorrow night. Okay. It is great. Uh, comes out this week. And then Shogun, which is a Ooh. FX show. Um, I have watched a few episodes of that. It starts on the 27th. Uh, very cool uh, kind of historical epic. It doesn't talk down to you. It, you know, the, it's all about japanese political dealings they all speak japanese it does kind of like fudge it because there's an american guy and they have to communicate with him in certain circumstances but them communicating with each other like they're not playing down to you um and it has hiroyuki sonata who you've seen in basically any role where they need a japanese guy uh he's he's that guy and so it's exciting to have him be a lead and have him like get a lot to do in a show it is uh the the few episodes that i've seen i've really enjoyed uh, it's called shogun it's going to be on fx uh and i assume hulu uh yeah starts on the 27th and it looks expensive which is nice a lot of times yes. like, it's a yes. it's a period piece and you're like no it's not you shot this in a warehouse uh shogun looks like a like an expensive period piece looks cool yeah i'm excited to check that out christian spicer what's your parting gift it's a parting gift slash dear community. If you love something better, please let me know. It's a parting gift slash call for help. Um, I started going through my old long boxes of comic books and dealing with this existential crisis of when I bought these, I read them, but then I also was a 90s kid and I bought a lot to collect because that's what you did. And when I'm an old man in my 40s, I'll sell them and make all this money. Um, 
and 90s comics haven't gone up the way you know spider-man first appearance superman action comics blah 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 have but i have some comics that are worth a decent amount you know a good chunk of tens of dollars no dead deadpool first appearance cable first appearance carnage first appearance wolverine number one like there are some hits back in the day that i collected and i'm i'm going like i need to catalog these things my my existential crisis was like do i keep them do i keep them to then give to my kids that then they have to catalog them and then throw them away or get sell them in batch and someone comes along and goes i got new mutants 87 for four dollars with like i'm wondering what do i keep them how often do i look at them i'm trying to wrap my head around what i'm supposed to do with these things because i am the age now that when I bought them, I was supposed to do something with these. <laughs> and now I've had them for so long that I don't, I, I don't know what to do with them. Um, <laughs> Never thought that day would be here, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The future, man, it has a way to sneak it up on you. Yeah. Um, so I was going through and trying to find a way to catalog them. And I found the League of Comic Geeks app, which I guess they also have a website. Uh, and I've been digging it. It has a barcode. For the newer comics in the old days unless it was the newsstand edition it didn't have a barcode on it so i used to have to go search i'll say new mutants 87 again search for it and then it lists it has values eh, hit and miss but it gives you an idea then you can add it to your collection and you can sort by publisher author all this stuff mm. but for the newer comics it has a barcode so you use the you know camera on your phone and you can just scan it and it tells you what comic it is you can add it to your collection you can set up pull lists with it it seems pretty cool Hmm. Um, so I'm liking that. That's my parting gift. But I know that there are folks that are probably more versed in digital cataloging and selling or deciding what you do with your comic collection as you age that I would love to hear from folks kind of what their ideas are. And a buddy was like, you should sell them. If you have enough to buy your family a really nice vacation, that's you did it. You did the thing. Yeah. And part well, of me selling like, is going to be a whole thing, though. But then also I won't have them anymore. That's true too. <laughs> but like, what do I yeah. have them for? <laughs> um, I just want to yeah. be the, you know, I don't know. Anyway, ah, League of collecting. Comics. Geek, it's the best, right? It makes no sense. <laughs> no sense at all. It makes yeah. a few dollars though. <laughs> <laughs> if you're lucky. Um, My parting gift uh, this week, the reason I've been kind of loopy today is I got very little sleep last night. I got back early this morning. Caught a flight early this morning from Las Vegas. You may have heard of it. Pretty, I'm pretty cool. I went to Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> they don't let I anybody there. in there. Not just anybody can go. Uh, yeah, it's true. They don't. They don't just let any flim flam artist into. If Las you're under Vegas. 21, you really can't go. But <laughs> no, you can now. They're now family friendly. Yeah, there's kids everywhere yeah. at Las Vegas. It's weird. True, it's true, true. Yeah, these but... days it's different. Anyway, uh, the reason I was there uh, was to catch the show at the Sphere, the new. Uh, the new venue in Las Vegas, the giant crazy sphere, uh, U2 has been playing there. And a friend of the show, Danish Syed, and I went together, uh, met up in uh, Vegas and went to see uh, U2 at the sphere. And I got to say, folks, it's expensive. <laughs> but also, <laughs> holy smokes, what a show. Holy smokes, what a venue. Uh, really, truly nothing else like it. Uh, and if you have an opportunity, so I will say, if you're going to Vegas uh, anytime soon, make a point to swing by. I mean, you'll see it. It's like you can't miss it. It's this ma- it's, it's crazy. You know, you probably saw it when the Super Bowl was happening because they made a lot of points to show the sphere. It's really become the new symbol of Vegas. Uh, they've got the 
the projection on the outside of it so it lights up and it could be all kinds of different uh shape you know it's, it's no ads one shape but ad yeah. ad buys <laughs> ad buys but you know also really cool like it'll be the moon for a, a long and you'll just be driving by like oh my gosh the moon is right there uh and it looks incredible um anyway that's the exterior the interior is even more mind-blowing because it's got screens you know all around you you're sitting inside a sphere that is a giant screen and uh, I wanted to say, I wanted to say, I, I mentioned to my wife when I got back, I was like, you know, when I was in college, um, uh, my freshman year, uh, 90 something, um, I met this, met this guy on my, my dorm who's a huge U2 fan. I remember him asking me, uh, have you seen him live? And I wish I could have said no, but in the year 20, 2024. I will see them inside a spherical screen. <laughs> you mean you could go like this? You could be like, hello, hello. I've seen them at a place that gave me vertigo. Is that what you could say? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's the it's the anniversary of the Octoon Baby uh tour, which is, you know, kind of a seminal tour for them. And um Octoon so they played like all the Octoon Baby stuff, which is like, you know, the best U2 stuff. Uh Joshua Tree, I think, is a better album, but Octoon Baby's good. Anyway, it was like Zoo TV, Zoo TV tour. Um, and uh, I will say, uh, anyway, what I was saying is if you have a chance, if you're going to be in Vegas, uh, they're also doing these movies. So you could go and it's much cheaper than seeing a, a concert. I think if you could see a concert, uh, U2 is leaving and the Grateful Dead or whatever they call themselves now is coming in, which I'm sure is a wild show to see there too. But um, uh, it, it it was really, I think, I mean, it's very expensive, but it was worth the money because there's nothing like it. Nothing like it. I mean, even in my grandest vision of VR and, and Apple Vision Pro and everything, nothing approaches sitting in a giant sphere that is a screen and they do this crazy stuff where it seems like you're looking outside and, and they seem to extend the stage back infinitely and they'll put like water on the ground but it's not water it's just the screen but it's because it's so high fidelity you can't tell and it, it is uh it is quite an experience so anyway i can't condone like spending the amount of money it takes to go see a an act there because uh, U2 is very expensive, but there's like, for like 50 bucks, I think you can see a, a, like a 40 minute experience inside that. I didn't do that. I kind of wish I had. Um, but uh, I, I suspect that would be the way to go if you're, you know, don't want to spend an arm and a leg like I did. But it's cool. I, it really lives up to the hype, the sphere. It's, it is, I kept, I kept saying to Danish as we were going through this, like, I can't believe human beings did this. I can't believe we like di- made that, you know, as a species. It's did they have crazy. nachos? You know, they didn't. Dang. Okay. No, not that no I nachos. saw at least. I didn't okay. Not a real concert then. Not a real concert. Noted. Not, not around <laughs> food. You only get round foods at the fear, okay? <laughs> not around food. Sorry. That's a triangular food. You're going to get that at the, at the Luxor. um all right uh we got a listener suggested parting gift this comes to us uh at uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com it comes from our friend sean madigan 
the creator of some of those awesome bumpers that you've heard to the show. Uh, Sean says, I have a parting gift suggestion I think Jeff would be particularly into. Uh, I recently randomly downloaded the big screen beta app on my Quest 3 in order to attempt to watch 3D movies from my computer. But what I didn't expect were all of the public rooms, specifically movie theater environments where people are coming together to watch old horror movies and laugh together at them. And bar environments where diehard wrestling fans are watching Monday Night Raw and screaming for their favorite wrestler. As someone who likes wrestling but doesn't personally know anyone that could give a hoot, it was amazing being, quote-unquote, around so many passionate people, making the viewing experience more exciting, especially those moments when the wrestlers are walking out for 15 minutes straight. I imagine you can watch many live events with other like-minded people for whatever you're into and would have a blast. Sean. Uh, yeah. Do you, you know, some of us believe this might be the future of uh, everything, of viewing. Like, you can have a virtual experience with people that aren't in your space, uh, but it feels like you're watching it side by side with them. I think that's cool. Thank you. Can I have the opposite of that? Like, you know, someone annoying next to me, but like, I feel like they're not there. I mean, honestly, yes, you can with VR. (laughs) (laughs) Just turn the, turn the digital crown on the vision. They're gone now. Um, (laughs) Is there anything VR can't do? Yes, yes, there's lots. Anyway, if you'd like to have your parting gift read on the show, send it to us, dlcfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Anthony Taormina and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those awesome bumpers. Our theme song was composed by White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Our biggest thanks, though, really... Every week, thanks to our patrons who make the show possible. Our hype train level patrons, they become video games. It is incumbent upon us, Christian, to remind folks of these games. The games that were made possible were hype train games of yore. I'm telling you about Albert for Hell Did Yos. Which, even as a kid, I had a hard time pronouncing. I apologize to Albert. For me, it was less trying to get the name of the game out and more me trying to get my brothers out so I could have a turn playing. You know, it was like, it's already plugged in. It is the cart living in the system. And then it's like, okay, bye. (laughs) You're good. Bye. It's like, adios. You know, it was like what I was trying to convey to get them out of the house. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, an amazing tonal game because you're in hell <laughs> with the Dios. You know, God is in hell with you. Uh, what did you do to get here, kid? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, I know. Crazy. I, I already know. That, that level where you have to literally free God from hell. Incredible, incredible! It's a it's a it's a big long action sequence set piece. You know, you're breaking God out of hell. I mean, Albert had to walk so that Hades could run. Yes, you know, like I don't think enough credit is given. Diablo is like that. Yeah, it had it had strains of Diablo before Diablo. It had strains. I'd like to announce Diablo Four is coming to Game Pass. You don't have to say that. 
No, you just bury it in the middle of another podcast. That's how you do it. I would just like to tell you um, that Diablo 4 is coming to Game Pass. Yeah. People <laughs> thought that this game was just stuff and junk, you know? They Dude. thought that it should be on the Stuff and Junk Show podcast. Yeah. But it was so much better a game than that. This was a, a classic, classic yeah. game. I think I, the, I first I heard about it was on, uh, like, after it's kind of had its renaissance again now as people are digging through these retro games was on the stuff and amazing stuff um show yeah, podcast it was a kind of a no junk redundant redundant yeah, the, podcast. <laughs> the stuff and zero had junk. Two segments in that show stuff and amazing <laughs> stuff and i was like let's just skip to the amazing stuff <laughs> yeah 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 that sequence though freeing freeing god yeah uh yeah mind what blowing. do you what do you hear ver I'm here for <laughs> hell de Dios. Yeah. I had to get my little brother out of the room. He was not ready for it. Um, that also reminds me of another game, you know, we haven't talked about in a long time. You, do you remember Yik? No. You don't remember <laughs> Yik? You didn't play Yik? <laughs> oh, great. No, I don't. Mm-mm. Who would? Uh-uh. Never. Take this one solo, Jeff. <laughs> Never played it. Can I? Can I confess something about Yik? The first time I played it, I rented it, and oh. uh, we got it, and it was from Blockbuster. I think Blockbuster or Hollywood Video, and it the disc was so scratched. So we had two options, like take it back, we get our money back, but it was the only one. It was the last copy. We could try to scramble to another video rental store to find another copy. We actually went out to Walmart and bought one of those disc cleaners Yeah, to get Yik ready to go. We needed to get Yik spick and span. That didn't quite work the way I thought it was going in my head, but... Um. <laughs> really did a long walk to get to that and then it it fell down the stairs hey they can't uh, all be hits the thing sometimes here, they're yicks listen what i'm about to do do you remember yick was like uh was like thexter or what, what, those other games where it's uh it's actually uh it's an acronym remember yeah oh yeah Ye- yearly infiltration of commandos knowingly Remember? Yesterday is coming, knock. <laughs> knock. <laughs> uh the uh yodeling incoherent uh nonsense corporal spelled with the K. <laughs> <laughs> the uh Yo, is it cooking? Knock. <laughs> Yo. I see keys. <laughs> Yo, I see Kool-Aid, I think is the, the last K. Um, yeah, it really was. It's really weird that they went with that many different acronyms for the game. <laughs> the box art. It was one of those old mo- the PC style boxes that was yeah. massive. Not The game inside was still just yeah. a disc, but the box was just all of the acronyms. It's kind of like um, MASH, you know, back in the day. Yeah. Uh, but you had te- so many acronyms. Yell in case of knives. <laughs> or yick for short, you know. You is coming. Knock. You really want knock to be the last word. You really do. I mean, I couldn't be combat, right? Uh, but knock and knock's more fun. Yo, is it cool? Night. <laughs> Uh, 
Look, all I said is that I had to buy a, a disc cleaner to get Yik to be spick and span. It doesn't work. It needs to be span and spick, but that's not the saying. That's not the saying. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yesterday, I caught a killer. Huh. That's a good game. <laughs> Yik! Thank you to Yik and Albert for Hell de Dios for supporting the show at such a high level and letting us have some fun with their names and their video games of old. If you'd like to have your video game manifested, remembered by us, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash DLC pod knock, but yes, please be be polite. (laughs) Knock. All right. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then. Think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.